Welcome to episode 520 of The Sleeper and the Bus. It is Wednesday, January 31st. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Eno Saris. Eno, how's it going, man? It's a sad day. You're damn right it is, dude. I didn't hit a those, single three in basketball today. It was really bad. That's that's the saddest part of the day, right? <laughs> yeah, nothing else happened today. <laughs> to what we had. All the player names you mispronounced. Oh, yeah. And the chewing that you did while you ain't seaweed. <laughs> I could probably keep going, but I don't I don't have anything planned there. Um You're leaving, man. This is your last episode as as a co host of this show and not gonna lie, I'm I'm pretty upset. Um yeah, we're moving on. Yeah, it's a sad day, you know. I used to be in educational publishing, and I'd spend all day reading fan graphs and baseball prospectus and wish I could have that job. And so that's how know. I got fired from a job was sitting around doing all that. Did you really stuff? Yeah, the job I had before. So like I was at Dell, got laid oh. off, tried to tried to um, uh, took severance, uh, tried to make baseball work. It didn't work. Got back into the tech uh, thing was selling some software tableau software you you know of it others know oh, yeah. of it and uh i think it was pretty clear to them that i wasn't all that interested in what they were doing and i would just have like baseball up on one screen and my terrible sales figures on another and they're like <laughs> you need to leave i was like yes that's about the right <laughs> you know i actually talked to my old boss at kumon i still see him when i go to new york and uh i made a reference to my one hour poops um, that I used to take, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I knew what you were doing. You printed out all those Fangraphs chats, and they were all sitting in the toilet after you were done." I used to print out stuff too. I remember <laughs> back in the day, I used to print out Sports Guy uh, back when he would do uh, Simmons when he do his long stuff. I print out trade value from uh, Dave. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. I used to print out stuff all the time. Well, yeah. I print out stuff in my own house. Yeah, right. Thanks, work. Print that just, noise out. Leave it sitting there in the in the toilet. So you went from there. You, you you became a full time baseball writer. You're not leaving the baseball industry, but you are in fact leaving Fangraphs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember, I remember playing uh, uh, wiffle ball with the Fangraphs crew. That was awesome. In um. Prospect Park. Prospect Park, yeah. Fitting, by the way, that it was called Prospect Park. <laughs> Since none of us were prospects. We were all 30-grade prospects <laughs> at best. Um, yeah, that was a great time. Yeah. Obviously, who can forget uh, forget your various uh, beer runs for a AFL? Although, will you still be going to AFL, or is that... I don't know. We'll have to see about that. I that's guess that's kind of up in the air. I'm doing, going one more run at AL Labor, so... I'm going to do one when, last raw on that one. That's in March. When can you talk about what you're actually doing? Uh, it's stupid, but the, the announcement's in, in like a couple of weeks or like a week and a half. So Okay. okay. It'll be all right, but uh, it'll Come be a little bit Twitch stream. I'm going to tell you guys what Eno is doing tonight, 9 o'clock. I'll tell you exactly. No, I'm kidding. You remember, you remember when um, – I, I remember meeting you uh, 
at the first uh it was at the first AFL thing. Or, oh. first AFL, or both of our it, first AFLs? Um I think it was my second and your first. Mm. And we got and in there was again. there Oh, tweeting out entirely too much of the uh, <laughs> you know, okay, so for those that have been Justin, you you've you've been there now. Um you know, you, you've seen you've seen kind of the uh, the player pool over at AFL. When Eno and I were first going, uh, we were the youngest by uh, generations, easily. And so, you know, we were the we were the young whippersnappers on Twitter, and then you know, figure we'll share some of it, <laughs> basically tweeting out verbatim what's happening. And then Ron Chandler makes an announcement: um, "Please stop tweeting out the entire thing. You're taking away value from the people that pay." And it's like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Just putting yeah, out. I, don't, I remember a little differently that it we weren't that bad, but. I do. I like. I uh, I respected what he said. But it was funny to to be called it to the mat like that, um, in front of everybody. I remember the, in particular the tweet that I did. I tried to. I think I probably had like four or five in maybe the first half hour. I guess that's. I guess that's a little bit much. But the big one that I really remember is when um, Jason Grace, who works with the Rays now, uh, said, "What do you say?" He said. Freddie Freeman looks awkward. Freddie Freeman's swing is awkward. Freddie Freeman's setup is awkward. Freddie Freeman can hit. Freddie Freeman can hit. That's a good quote. Yeah, it was a pretty good quote. And I thought, you know, that's a funny quote. And it might, and I didn't, I thought it would, you know, provide sort of advertisement for, for this event because I thought one of the reasons I was there was to to tell people that it was a great event that they should go to. So certainly. And I, I don't believe that you did it maliciously. And I don't think that that Ron or any of the organizers thought you did either. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's why, you know, you remain a, a part of it and, and every, you know, we remain a part of it to this day, but it was funny. It was funny the first time um, getting in, in some trouble. And that's where I was introduced to Adenu, which fittingly enough, today's cut day. Uh, do you still have an Adenu club? Here. Pardon me? Niv, Niv Shah, the founder of Autonew, came. That's right. I Sorry, you had cut out there. But yeah, it was you and Niv uh, telling me about it. And I was like, this is the most insane, amazing fantasy <laughs> game possible. Like, And I so I took over Illegal a couple years ago and like took it over midseason, did what I could with it, and just kind of ran out the string for it so they had an active member. This past year was my first year having a full team. So uh, I'm doing my first off season here and I just had to make some cuts and I, I'm still not sure I made the right moves, but I remember when I helped you, um, you know, do your auction. Cause you don't usually need a whole, it's basically a dynasty league of sorts. There's yeah. not as many prospects, but you keep a lot of your team and you, you'll, you'll usually have like, you know, upwards of 30 bucks for like eight to 10 slots. So you're, you're not buying high end guys, but I'm wondering, um, you know, how much is too much for Trout in your estimation? Um, I think it gets hard to field a team once you get over 70 when one player. Okay, well, I got him at 72, so right at that number that you're saying. I think you can but keep I... another year, but, yeah, it gets hard after that because you really – that's like having – that's like two star slots. You know, I usually have – like uh, like in my in my league that – you know, I, I it's funny because I, I haven't been that good at on you. I haven't won yet. But last year I pushed the the rock up the up the mountain and got to like third in both leagues points and five by five. 
And then you get five by five one too, because the points. Um, I'm enjoying it, but I definitely am not as adept. I don't like points as much. I I don't like that it boils down to one number. Then everyone is haggling over players, you know, numbers and projected like one number. I like the idea that I'm going to trade from one category to get another category. And yeah, uh, I, I I like that categories. Too. Um, I guess just to distill what I've learned over the years, I would say that auction money is overrated a lot of times. Um, I used to come into auction and try to have a hundred, hundred fifty dollars in auction, and that and that works, especially if you're a building team. But if you're a good team, like I'm going into auction in the experts league with right now like twenty bucks, and yeah, all I need is all I need is a catcher and maybe one starting pitcher. Like I built my team to win with the players I had. There's no like, oh, I need to. And I already have Wilson Ramos, so it's not like I really need a catcher. It's like I kind of need, you know, another catcher and, you know, the 3 to $5 catcher and like a, a $5 starting pitcher. That's it, you know? And I have five closers. I have seven starting pitchers that I like, just traded for Danny Salazar. You know, we've been talking on this uh, about the Justin Verlander problem and if I needed Madison Bumgarner or not. Mm-hmm. And the way I solved that was by selling a three dollar Wil- Wil- Wilmer Flores for a fifteen dollar Salazar. Ooh, I can get behind that. I still like Salazar. Just just another kind of concern. Yeah, it's just another kind of shot in the dark, and it's fifteen dollars instead of thirty five. And uh, so now I have like six fifteen dollar starting pitchers that I that could either be aces or twos or or be bad. I mean, honestly, that's what pitching is like, but. Um, so I, I like my team and I, I, so I would say auction money is overrated. Spend all the way to 400, uh, or 398 or 395. Don't, don't keep a lot of money after the auction because you'll have players on your team to cut and those players represent money. Uh, if you cut them, you get half that money back. So that's your FAB basically. So yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll, you'll find spots now I'm, I'm in a spot like I've got young guys to balance out the stuff that I have because I also have Harper and Votto Harper at 55 Votto at 51 and after arbitration I was over a hundred bucks over cap because I got I got murdered with like wow. my Bellinger uh, um, people did amp up Trout and Harper and Votto I think um, I got Granky so I got a bunch of like top end guys but I do have cheap guys to balance them out like Bellinger he's only 16 bucks Jose Ramirez at 25 he got boosted up too um, Godly three dollars feels good. Taiwan Walker seven dollars. Let's get oh, and Grinky. Let's get that humidor. I'm gonna go install the humidor, guys. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, right. Put it in myself because clearly I need. It. But I didn't mean to make this not a new talk. But that was just a memory that I had from when we first met. You guys telling me about it over some brews and poker, and I was like, this is amazing, and it is a lot of fun. There's so much cool stuff. If you are super hardcore and you don't in you don't have to just play the, the the points if you don't want to. You can do five by five. I might have to do a five by five league this year without a new, um, because that'll be fun. But you know, um, you kind of you kind of highlighted your your trajectory with with the site uh, in your going away piece, and my favorite thing was the Jerickson Shofar <laughs> from the Not Graphs. Not the not the uh, the poem to uh, Ryan Dempster's glove waggle. That was pretty good too, but 
you literally have a post on knot graphs, which for those that don't remember knot graphs, it's almost like the easiest way would be kind of like an onion for baseball sort sort of deal. Like it's just like yeah. goofy stuff. It was not, it could go deep. You know, Patrick Dubuque had some stuff that would go deep and be a couple, you know, hundred words, or it could literally be something called a jerks and shofar with a picture of a ram's horn that uh, is apparently used in Jewish culture with jerks and profar's face uh, photoshopped quite poorly uh, on top of it. Uh, I think that was your best post at this website. You'll be remembered for that. I, <laughs> I'm not right? proud of my not graphs. I'm yeah. <laughs> infinitely for the game. I'm not proud of my not graphs writing. The shofar is a ram's horn trumpet used by ancient Jews in religious ceremonies and as a battle signal, now sounded at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So I'm telling you, that is. <laughs> That's fantastic. The battle signal now, unfortunately, uh, for Jerks and Profar is like, I'm here to hit a 40 WRC plus. <laughs> My limp noodle uh, shoulder. Yeah, yeah. I, I uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to really, what I'm really going to miss, though, is, is you know, other than the commenters, which is my piece today was about that. And that's and it's, it's true. I read the comments and I have enjoyed interacting with with the people that read and, and, uh, and listen. And um, and people will recognize podcast listeners will recognize the title of the post. Uh, you know, thanks for reading. I, you know, that's my sign off here. Thanks for listening. Right, but uh, but I'm gonna immediately miss also the people we work with. I mean, like Carson is so goofy. I love him to death. He's like I love so. Carson. He's really nice. Like he's a really nice person and goofy, and also like kind of intellectually curious like always he always like starts good conversations by being like well, what about this you know that's a great call i remember when we took our trip to new york which is where we played that uh that that wiffle ball game and uh he and i ended up at the same coffee spot <laughs> i didn't go on purpose i wouldn't purposely try to hang out with carson uh but i i wound up there and i was like dang it carson's here and i tried to leave and he called me over no i'm kidding i didn't try to leave but uh i i, I sat with him and just the conversations that you'll have with carson Sistui, if you listen to his podcast you already know yeah. you talk about that intellectual curiosity and i think he's one of the 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 prized assets of this of this website just in terms of of the way he thinks and you know outside of the podcast and and the quirkiness if you will if you're not following the fringe five then you're missing out on a lot of great fantasy players i almost think it's better for fantasy than it is even for real life because of it the is. players he identifies that are so far off the board fantasy wise i yeah like he's he's good and he actually just did some research that showed that the fringe five prospects are basically like uh, are acting like top 20 to top 40 prospects. I believe it. I believe it. I mean, he found Kluber there uh, as, uh, as one of them off the top. I mean, there, there's, there's tons, honestly. I, I didn't come prepared with a list because it's, yeah. it's not about stupid Carson. It's about me. <laughs> but, uh, well, no, and, then, I, and then like, you know, Jeff is just like really funny. Like he just he's got like this kind of wit, you know, he's like he's Jeff got Sullivan. wit. Yeah. And uh, Paul Swyton was like just a like a like a huggable bear, like just a. He, he definitely just, is a bear. Definitely like a, a bear. Second figure. best Paul S like at this that. website, though. <laughs> right. Second best Paul S. I love you, Swyton, but but relax. Second best Paul S. Um, I remember. That, I remember uh, when when uh, we were kind of groggy one morning, and my mom came and walked her dog. I do remember that. That was great. She walked Curtis, not Charlotte. This was uh, in Arizona as well. 
I had stayed, I'd brought Curtis, he and I drove to Arizona. Your mom came, she's like, I'll do it. And I was like, serious? She's like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, okay, thank you. And then we went, <laughs> you know, got, got, uh, got ready. And so you could go eat with her and everything. And I was actually heading out uh, shortly thereafter. So yeah, that was a great memory. I'm trying to think of, of all the, all the great ones. You know, I still remember vividly the, the sound of, Hunter Pence's wrist breaking, interrupting our conversation because it was so loud. We're at spring training, sitting behind the home plate at uh, Scottsdale. And when he got hit by a pitch, we were just like, that's very bad. That was very bad. And it was it was obvious that it was going to be trouble. And like I said, most of most of uh, um, our memories are over at AFL where we spent, you know, a weekend a year for what, five, six years now. Yeah. I remember going and getting sandwiches and uh, uh, telling old stories. I remember telling you about how the time I I, uh, switched uh, roommates. I was dating one roommate and then started dating her roommate. Which was the greatest story. Basically a (laughs) Seinfeld episode there, uh, which uh, was literally a premise of Seinfeld. I do remember that. That was at this uh, sandwich and there was like a pizza place either connected or next door. Um, yeah, I that's a good exactly. sandwich place. I forget exactly. It's like an Italian deli in in yes. in, this, in 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 Phoenix. Um, I remember it vividly in my up. mind's eye, but I don't know exactly the name. Yeah. So sorry, sorry for that advertisement. Of you're really good and awesome, <laughs> but I place. don't yeah. know where you are. <laughs> remember visiting you in Austin. That was fun. That's right, and you um, for your for your October thing, and then you returned my Padres jersey. Eight months or t-shirt eight months later, which was I was like, you know, if it if it if it was gone forever, I'd have been fine with it. But you I returned it. That it was a very comfy shirt. Pretty a pretty nice shirt, right? Yeah. Well, old yeah. school Padres and one of those definitely high. I'm a t-shirt snob, so my t-shirts aren't 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 garbage. They're coming and, out. And it's funny. I didn't borrow the t-shirt to wear it. I borrowed Correct. borrowed the t-shirt to pack beer. To pack <laughs> beer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> If that's not the most quintessential Eno, I don't <laughs> really know what is. Um, you, so you talk about your first post here uh, on batting average on balls in play, and you referenced Chris Iannetta, who's still playing. So, you know, you're, you're the first player that you wrote about back on 2009 is still going. Uh, what kind of years is Chris Iannetta going to have? Let's do an hour analysis on it. No, uh, but it was an I interesting mean, piece. I what, was inter- what, was, what was interesting to me was, and sort of like made me feel bad, was that I referenced his line drive rate after like a month of the season. Um, you can't feel bad. I mean, that's something that obviously you are, yeah. when you started in 2009, we're now in 2018, of course, you learned to better use metrics like that in, in a line drive rate after a month, a line drive rate in a full year is tough to really yeah. feel comfortable with if it's, um, if it's completely new, let alone for a month. But this is only- one of those things that we learn. We, you know, we learn more over time. Sometimes you read an old post and you're like, geez, oh, was I it thinking? happens all the time that last year I was talking about this guy, Jarrell Cotton. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. <laughs> the things I said about that guy. And the best part was I put it all at your feet though. Kept saying, Eno turned me on to him. So I, I plausible well, deniability. Well, one thing that was fun about that was it caused me to look up how um, riding fastballs do low in the zone. And well. they, they don't get a single whiff low in the zone. Like I, uh-huh. I found all riding fastballs in the lower third of the zone. Didn't get a single whiff. So 
you know, I did my top 100 with, with some commentary, and, and the thing I put for him is that he's still got the arsenal, but he has to change his approach, Cotton does. He absolutely yeah. does. There's just no way that he's going to be successful with the approach he had last year. It was really it was really bad what he, he tried should, to do. He should year. miss. He should have more walks and more strikeouts. He should miss the zone more often. He should pitch high in the zone. He should be kind of like a Rich Hill with a – Instead of the with instead of the curveball, have the have the changeup with his splitty splitty change. Yeah, with and by like pitching high in the zone, yeah, and by pitching high in the zone too, he um he makes his fastball appear a little bit, you know, sort of effective velocity style makes it appear a little bit better, which is good because he has a short stride and he basically turns his like 92 mile an hour fastball into like 90 89 90. Uh, yeah, thro- throwing short it. Stride. Throwing it low in the zone, he, he's already hurting himself. But then you throw it low in the zone, yeah. then you take the negative effects of effective velocity. And like you said, all of a sudden, Jarrell Cotton throws 89-90, even though his readings are 92-93. So if he gets back up in the zone, he can maximize the velocity he has, which is uh, at least uh, you know slightly above average for a right-hander. So uh, definitely still I'm, someone that we're, that we're high on. So I'm 100% going to pull Jarrell Cotton aside this spring and tell him this. You have to. I mean, listen, if it's a reference, just say, look what I did for Yonder Alonso. No big deal. Did you get the check from Yonder Alonso, though, for <laughs> part of the uh, that Cleveland deal? Did you get your cut yet? I was supposed to I was supposed to talk to him again this offseason. But, you know, he's his agent has pinged me a couple times and we haven't managed it. And I and I like I'm all now he's big time. huh? He's hanging out with LeBron <laughs> and Kluber. He ain't got time for you anymore. Dang. It's like you don't work at Fangraphs anymore. I'm out of here. And I'm going to, I actually have something to talk about with him because I noticed that one of the reasons that he wasn't lifting the ball as as good in the second half was that um, pitchers changed their, their approach on him. So they used to pitch him low and away and basically ask him to go the other way because that's what he was as a hitter, right? Mm -hmm. A slap, a slap, a guy. So they were throwing him low and away and, and just letting him, you know, pound it into the ground. And um, when he changed his approach, he was hitting that low and away pitch high in the air for home runs. And so then they started uh, pitching him inside. And I think that I just want to talk to him about the difficulties of lifting a pitch inside and if he should step further away from the plate a little bit or uh, and make that inside pitch a little bit more center. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, what how he's thinking about that. So that's hopefully I'll get some time with him. And get to talk to him. They're a Phoenix team. They're a, they're an Arizona team. So I should I should be able to talk to him, even if uh, it won't be through his agent like last time. <laughs> so um, Justin, timestamp this in case it's a it's a no. We can we can confirm that you're still in the writing industry, right? Uh, to, to assuage yeah, fears on that. I, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't need to. It's not like state secrets or anything. I just can't. We're just trying to. You know. Exactly roll things out at a certain time. But I just saw some of the guesses of what, what you might be doing, and I just wanted to maybe um, calm some fears of folks that think you're out of baseball. Yeah, I don't really like – I don't know if I'm ever going to work for a team. I had one op- opportunity uh, with a team, and I don't know how much I should say. Let me just say that – The Bakersfield Blaze, right? No, I'm no. <laughs> but, uh, this will make it obvious, but I didn't say it, uh, is – I'm really happy I didn't take the job. <laughs> <laughs> so think about the things that have 
happened uh, recently to certain what front offices. And transpired. I out which one, which one uh, uh, I might have joined, and I'm very happy I didn't. <laughs> San Diego, because you always hated Cameron, right? No, I'm just kidding. I'm but, kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. Not starting they, just, they just uh, they just ask a lot for for a guy with two kids that are especially toddlers. Maybe you know when my kids are getting closer to high school age or something. Sure. Uh, but uh, you know now with two kids, two kids that are toddlers, and they want me to uh, you know teams usually want you to travel, so it's like 150, 170 days of travel, plus maybe moving to a city. You know, my wife and I we have we worked really hard on this house that we live in now and. It's beautiful, and my kids will go to really nice schools for free. Um, local schools here in Palo Alto are great, so it's just it's going to be hard to to uh, you know. It's like the reverse Mike Hampton, you know. Exactly, <laughs> you're staying where you are for the, for the schools. You're not going somewhere because of the schools, like those beautiful Denver schools that he just had to go to. It had nothing to do with the money. Um, that worked out well for him, by the way. That really, that really took off for Mike Hampton. You really is a reverse Mike Hampton because the money is also not very good in baseball. <laughs> right? It is absolutely a reverse Mike Hampton. Um, you know, when you were covering some of the other pieces that you had, uh, your first post over on the main site was about the Padres acquisition of Miguel Tejada, and I had forgotten about that. Yeah. And moreover, I'd forgotten that he was good. Yeah. That Sometimes. was like this, the surprise. I was like, whoa. He was actually pretty good he was, with them. That was his last. That was his last hurrah. What was funny was I, I found out that there was some dissension in the front office about even acquiring him, um, and most people thought he was done, like I did in my piece. I thought here's a guy who can maybe platoon at shortstop and be bad defender, okay bat, you know, against lefties basically. And apparently, uh, there were people in the front office that shared that opinion. And um, when when they did acquire him anyway, and then he was good, uh, it was not good <laughs> for the front office. They were like people were still mad about it. <laughs> so anyway, that's a little tidbit. But um, well, you now know, you'll have you now you can get it directly from Cameron if you're talking about a uh, a Padres thing, and then you and you can get his opinions on it. I doubt that very much, but. Um, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the people have been great and I'm so happy for you to, to take photographs and put your stamp on it and, uh, and run with it. Um, do you have an, uh, an announcement, uh, about, uh, the podcast well, for, going forward? Well, I do. And it's going to be a gentleman that you guys have heard the voice of already. Justin Mason is going to be taking over this time slot and he's going to be our co-host here. Uh, on these Thursday shows, and we're going to be mixing in more guest episodes. Uh, so we'll have Ooh. guest episode, solo episode. But maybe then I'll Justin be a guest I, sometime. You will not. Maybe there's no maybe. <laughs> it will happen. It will absolutely happen, or or else. And uh, but Thursdays, uh, you know, the regular Thursday, sometimes Wednesday, sometimes Friday, depending on schedules. But this this episode will now be Justin Mason and myself. So I'm very happy, Justin. You're there. Say hello. Yay! <laughs> so yeah, we're gonna be going with. Uh, and Colette's not going anywhere. And Colette's an amazing dude. He's he's always got funny stories and and uh, and good analysis. So this exactly. is gonna be a good crew. And one with him stays uh, solos, solos and um, solos and guest episodes in during the week. And that's gonna be 
you know, up, up and down until the season starts still, because if I don't have like a solo topic to go on and I can't get anybody for a guest episode, then we'll just wait till talking with Justin. And the thing of it is, if there was anything going on, yeah. I would gladly do episodes, but right now I'm not just going to come on. And I know that, you know, I got some decent feedback on one where I, I kind of covered a team that I was doing, but I'm not going to do that every week. First off, that would bore me and <laughs> so it's like a, it's like a double win. I love doing the solos, but I can't talk about nothing, but I, I do have some plans already for that for some like positional overviews, but yeah, Justin, for those that don't know, if, if you're only familiar with Justin through Rotographs. First off, wake up. He's out there killing it everywhere else too. But he has his own show at Friends with Fantasy Benefits too. So this is not some podcast noob coming in. That's uh, that's going to be with us, and it's going to be it's going to be really exciting. I'm uh, we're we're really sad to lose you. There's no doubt about it. But uh, I do think that with Justin, we're gonna, we're not going to miss uh, miss a beat here. Except I did learn that uh, Justin actually knows how to pronounce names, so it's going to be a little bit different. I'm actually really bad at pronouncing names too. Oh, this will be perfect then. Your wife <laughs> slide right in. You want to. Uh, no, the funny thing is, I don't know for, for those that have been listening since I joined on this this podcast. Um, I, it used to be much worse. You used to have like a hilarious pronunciation <laughs> every episode, and now I, you know, they're, they're I'm people. working on it because now I I talk to players and like yeah, you talk to it's them. It's kind of you gotta, rude, you know. You I, I don't like it when people call me Anna or, you know. Exactly. So. And you were never doing it maliciously. It's just people see a name and they pronounce it how they think it is. And then I laugh hysterically at how wrong you are. <laughs> but now, Some of it's just like bad guesses. Also, we live on the internet, right? So it's like... Exactly. We don't you don't always hear them. <laughs> is, always it Ionetta? is it Ionetta? It's Ionetta. I say Ionetta. What always bothers me, though, going back to your point about how we live on the internet, so this shouldn't be such a problem, is when people misspell the names. I'm like, when did you ever see McGuire with a U for Mark <laughs> McGuire? You stupid, stupid idiot. And, you know, I, not you, by the way, but, but people on the Internet. So it's like I understand the, the pronunciation thing when you're not hearing them, but I don't ever get the, uh, the, the misspelling when you're talking about living on the Internet and just seeing these names all the time. But that, you know what? It's, not, it's neither here nor there. Christian Yalik will live on. No, I will continue to pronounce it. That's how the Germans would say it. I know, I know. And you have a reason behind it. And you're still wrong, but at least you have a a reason. I'm okay with it. How do you say it? Yelich. Huh? Yelich, the way literally everybody else. What's hilarious right now is that you just went out when you said it. So I just don't know. Christian Yelich. Okay. Yelich. For example... When I no, it's gonna say something very inappropriate. Yeah, right. No. Hey, you know what? Kid. Let's give let's let's not just you know sit around flapping. Let's uh give him something. Let's let's do something. Let's let's talk uh three pitchers. Um, I like more than you, and you like more than me. Correct. Put on my top 100. I tasked Eno with identifying three he's higher on, three he's lower on. Let's start with the higher on. Uh, your first one is interesting. I'm very eager to hear about because I do like the talent. But I definitely shaded him because I just don't know what to expect. And that's Steven Matz of the Mets. So what do you got on Matz and what are your expectations, uh, mostly health-wise? Because I think that's going to be the driving force behind his season. Yeah, I mean, I don't pretend to know. Um, and actually, yeah, I'm going to refute myself here. Um, and it's it's bad. But I don't, I, I don't know about the health. 
And he showed up as being like maybe the pitcher. He's the number one pitcher who pitches closest to his max velocity. So last episode as being stressful. Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't know though, man, he's just, I feel like he's, he's really cheap and you know, you have him 89th. Yeah. Like I just would have him in, I I put him, I I shade towards upside around 75 to 80 because that's where people are picking their last picks and they're, they're picking, you know, a lot of times for 15 team leagues and 12 team leagues, you're only going to, the only really the only top seventy five pitchers are 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 uh, relevant, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I think guys like uh, maybe Cool, um, Estrada, uh, Corbin, like they're fine, and, and Cool might actually he's a real power pitcher, so you know there's there's a lot to like there. And if he just would stop throwing middle middle with his sinker, maybe he'd get some ground balls on it and be pretty good. Seriously, like reviewing some of his his starts when they went sideways, you're just like, what are you doing, man? Uh, yeah, because yeah. I, I, I didn't see a lot of him in season. He was kind of a guy that I, I found as as somebody I'm intrigued in. Chad Cool of Pittsburgh in the off season, I watched a handful of starts and I was just like. You gotta stop doing that. But he closed really strong. He does throw hard. 83 strikeouts in his last 88 innings. So I do think he kind of fits that upside thing. But I totally get uh, like where the Estrada, more from. like Estrada and Corbin. Yes. it's like pretty vanilla. And a lot of, especially in the shallower your team gets, like if it's 10 or 12, like those guys just don't have the upside anymore to be like good. 12, 10, 12 team pitchers. I don't and know. that's why I didn't even mess with the Novas, the leaks and the, and the Vargas. Right. I'd like that you did that. Yeah. So not even I would worse. just put like Matt's uh, like in that sort of 80 area, like Matt's Gohara, Honeywell, Flaherty, Mikolas. Who's Those, another one, by the way, Mikolas was another one on your list of, of higher thans. So I'm interested yeah. on him too. I would put those over your Corbin's, your Estrada's, Davies, I would imagine. Maybe, you know. I didn't know what to do with Davies because I, I, I'll, I'll admit, 78 felt high. And I feel like in my drafts, I, I make it clear that I'm not trying to guess in ADP here. I'm not ranking them as they'll be drafted. That doesn't do anybody any good. Uh, so I might have been a little intellectually dishonest with Davies at 78 because I sure as hell wouldn't take him over Nicholas Newcomb, even Chad Green right now because we don't know what his role is going to be. Uh, Gohara, Honeywell, Flaherty, Giolito, Reyes, you get the point. So I probably I feel like have his him velocity, over. Davies' velocity does reduce his upside. I mean, I think he's probably a viable major league starting pitcher that the Brewers are happy they found, mm-hmm. but you he's know, worse Hendricks though. Yeah, he's a worse Hendricks. And if you're, and, we saw what happened with Hendricks. Like you can go through bad stretches, and just, you know, it's just harder. You, you, it's just harder to live at 89. There's you know? no margin for error. That's you have the to thing. Have there's... the best command. You have to have the best sequencing. You have to have, you know, have to have everything on point. Otherwise, it has to work for you too, which is out of your control. Yeah, yeah. So. I think uh, I, I think Davies is in, is where I would put him, and I would just push some of those veterans down and push some of those lottery picks up. And you know, for sure, uh, we know why I would push Gohara and Honeywell up. They're kind of stuff guys, right? For sure. They, they uh, if you ever watch them, they have high velocity fastballs. You know, biting uh, secondary pitches. Honeywell has that Faria changeup. Um, it's actually Faria, Cotton, Honeywell have the same changeup. 
and it's uh, awesome. It's it's uh, screwball-y. And Honeywell has the best uh, velocity of the three. Mm-hmm. And I think I would say Honeywell has the best breaking ball of the three. So I think I would agree with that. I've only seen Honeywell a couple times live and then a couple other times on TV. So I don't have a lot of experience. But every time I came away more impressed than the last. Now, uh, apparently he wasn't called up last year because of some of the shenanigans that he had on Twitter. That That's the speculation, at least, is that whenever somebody was called up, he would kind of passive aggressively or that out. was an excuse for the Rays to exactly know, him off the forty man for another year. Exactly. So what, whatever it was this year, though, they, if they do it this year, then you, then you start. You could call full on shenanigans. There's just no nothing left to really prove for him uh, for Honeywell at AAA. You know, maybe start the season there for a couple weeks. I would I would accept that because of what the Rays do. But if you're not talking by tax day that Honeywell's on the way up, then I just I don't know what's going on there, but I do want to talk Michaelis. Um, you know, I put the Colby Lewis comp, comp there. Everyone's doing it. I don't think it's lazy though, because uh, I want people to remember that we're talking Colby Lewis right when he came back. Don't think about the last few years of Colby Lewis when he was uh, bland to bad, ranging and you know his last three years kind of ranged from bland to bad. But the first three years back, he had a 113 ERA plus, 8.1 strikeouts per nine and a 118 whip for 506 innings in Texas, Colby Lewis did. And a lot of the stuff that you read makes that comp. Again, not just because it's, you know, late 20s, early 30s uh, guy that went over there and and figured it out, but the stuff that they have and the way they dominated the MPB. So Miles Mikolas coming over for St. Louis, what what are your thoughts on him, and how high would you draft him? You know, he strikes me as... Hmm. I'm I'm kind of going like maybe uh, Jacob Degrom with a worse changeup. Uh, that could be awesome. Uh, you he know, does throw harder than than Lewis, so that, and not as hard like as Degrom. Lewis, yes, it's DeGrom like a Lewis harder. plus because even yeah. when Lewis came back, he was only throwing 90, 91, and they're talking Nicholas uh, at ninety two, sometimes popping 90, 94. Oh. Oh, uh, Jimmy Nelson with less velocity but better command. Uh, the Jimmy, Jimmy Nelson, Nelson that had the the good. What I'm looking for are guys who throw a lot of sliders who also have a good curveball. Okay. And um, I mean, like worst case scenario is Jason Hamill, but Jason Hamill had injury problems. Get a good and, half. <laughs> he was an amazing first half pitcher. And uh, when he was in the NL, was better. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, not to not to poo poo Jason Hamill too far. Also, I think Mikolas has better command and maybe slightly better velocity and and hopefully better durability. You know, Hamill just had trouble getting through the, the full yeah. 32 starts was a problem, but he was a good pitcher. Hamill's Hamill at his best was really, really solid uh, for a good handful of years, three, four, five years, uh, different parts of different seasons there. So I do like Mikolas. I, I was being conservative. I didn't want to go too high at 79. I definitely could see that one raising throughout the rest of the uh, winter and into spring, though. So I thought 79 was a decent starting point. I want to, you know, make it clear that he should be, of course, drafted in 15-teamers and, and I think 12-teamers and then 10-teamer reserve. I could see taking a shot on Mikolas. Depends. I haven't done a 10-teamer yet, so I don't know how the pool plays out. But I, I'm kind of intrigued by Mikolas. Um, I'm also not and- saying push him up too far. Like, where do you have Nicholas? You have him 79. And where do you have um, Tehran? 64. Mm-hmm. So I think he should go right around Tehran. I think actually Tehran's a decent comp. Because oh, I like Tehran that. stopped throwing that change up. 
He has two fastballs, slider curve, maybe slightly better command, maybe, you know, not as not as good. Uh, well, you know, Tehran's velocity's fallen off too, so. Well, Tehran's a great lesson in uh, like evolution of pitches with guys. It's it, just because you display a pitch, you know, this is Ron Chandler's thing. Once you display a skill, you own it. But just because you display a pitch doesn't mean you always have it. Coming up, Tehran's changeup was amazing. Where the it hell was supposed to be his game pitch, yeah. And he can't get lefties out to save his life. I'm a right-handed batter. I could bat lefty and get a knock off a of table. That's how bad he is against <laughs> and lefties. He keeps using that changeup less and less. Yeah, because it's scary. weird. Yeah. But yeah, but that, I mean, that's he should just, just a, embrace himself then and just get rid of the changeup and just throw a lot more breaking balls unless it's a, a health-related concern or command. I mean, his command. <laughs> That's what's exciting about Mikolas is that he might have he might have better command than Tehran. I mean, Tehran's command messes up at times. Agreed, agreed. Uh, let's move on to Snell. We were talking about Tampa Bay pitchers. Uh, we didn't quite get over Speaking to Snell. <laughs> I've got him fifty-eight, and I, I I I considered going higher. I really did. I I tempered it a little bit because of the whip, and I I think that whip even in his good years will probably be on the higher end. But he is part of the glob, which I've, I've explained multiple times. You know, there's a real tight group of, of pitchers there with a the talent. Uh, just isn't as disparate as maybe the ranking might look at if you're looking at like 58 versus 35 or something. You would think that's a big jump, but it's really not. Blake Snell versus Zach Godley. If somebody wanted to take Snell, um, I, I wouldn't personally. Again, I, I got Godley there and I, I rank him higher, but I don't think it's indefensible or, or, or you know, call somebody crazy. But I have him at 58. Where are you looking at Blake Snow? What do you like about him coming into this year? Well, one thing that was nice is that he stopped using his fastball as much in the second half. And that was a big key for a lot of guys, by the way, to cut yeah. down fastball. And I know you highlighted it throughout the season. Well, I think that in some ways you might have better command of uh, breaking pitch because um, he started using the slider more relative to his fastball, not necessarily more, but because he was using the fastball less. And there are some pitchers, like look at Masahiro Tanaka. He did a lot better with just, you know, using the slider instead of his fastball. So, Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I think we're evolving a little bit in what we think in terms of injury risk with throwing so many sliders. And, um, you know, in the second half, he had a 24% strikeout rate, 8% walks. That's, you know, 8.6 K9, 2.9 uh, BB9. So, you know, I that's that seems to me. I'm not asking him to have a great walk rate and to have great command, but I think by you know changing his pitch mix, you know, I take him over Alex Cobb, who can't um, can't throw 150 innings and lost his third pitch. Uh, I take him over Gio Gonzalez, who um, you're right that he's not true talent last year and then we shouldn't push him too far down. Like maybe he can still be a final, a good sort of innings eater in the sixties or something, but mm-hmm. um, I, I might push him down further. Um, you know, Kenta might, then you're start. I'm not pushing uh, Snell hot that hard because th- these are good pitchers. Now you're starting to talk about Rich Hill, Danny Duffy, Luke Weaver, you know, um, I might push Bauer down a little bit and, uh, and, Whoa. and Snell up because I think now, they're very similar. Okay. Cause that was interesting. Cause I had a hard time with Bauer and I think I pushed him uh, a little bit higher than I was comfortable with. Uh, maybe, you know, yeah. not, not like 20 slots or anything, but a handful of slots. Cause I, I was worried that I might be too biased against him and I wanted to, you know, not not be too uh, aggressively against him. Another guy who cut the fastball usage and it really seemed to fuel his success 
Yeah, and I talked to him late in the season, and he was like, I want to pitch. I was joking about the 80% breaking ball thing, and he's like, I want to throw tons of curveballs. Okay, good, because I'm I'm concerned that he'll tinker the wrong way and and get back into throwing. I think there is some team pressure on him to to throw more fastballs, but um, they can't really argue with the success he had. And it's not like he has amazing command of the fastball anyway. Um, and uh, at the closer he gets to free agency, the more that they're not going to worry about health and you know let him sort of tinker with what he wants to do. It is you have heard him probably online say that he's going to ditch that slider. Um, so they're and he is he is a pitch design guy. So he's he's in the he, he's in the lab right now, trying to develop something, and he's going to come up with something. So I mean, you can say that's good or bad. Pitches. You're right that it could be bad. Like, he could come up with something that you're just like, why did you do that? Uh, I was bored. I wanted to do something different. Yeah. Okay, Trevor, you didn't have to do that. Uh, but, yeah, so I got him but up I there. I pushed Bauer under Hill. Hill just, you know, he might only throw 150, but they're going to be excellent innings. And honestly, even if he only throws a, a buck 25, he's shown that he can be, that Rich Hill can be a top you know, like 30 pitcher with that. So yeah, I put those guys down there and I acknowledge, I put Hill Wood and Maeda together, acknowledging that. that makes sense to me. I think one of them will emerge and get. Even Duffy, get some of the, there's a lot of injury risk in that four. Absolutely. Partially torn ligaments and weird velocity things. And like, you know, Wood's velocity dropped more than anybody. It's a nice group and Pomerantz, in fact. I think that whole group right there is a really nice group of pitchers that may be undervalued because of their pitching risk. And especially in Roto, where you don't care when the innings happen. You just want the 100 innings. Um, and you can put maybe put them on the DL or drop them otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, I think those are those are fine pitchers to take there. You know, and head-to-head, I could see being a little bit more wary of those guys because what if you draft Real Chill with a decent price on him? He's good for you in the beginning, and then he's gone when you need him. Exactly, and that, that that's a completely different. I, I obviously default to Roto. A head-to-head ranking would definitely favor some of those guys. They're a little bit more bankable for their innings because just being out there is half the battle, and, and actually logging 180 innings, even if they're not elite, if they're like a 380 ERA, it's going to make you better than than somebody who's got 120 of a 320 because they're going to be there all year, especially in points, head-to-head points. Getting yeah. that volume is yeah. a big deal. But I focused on Roto. Uh, let's shift over to the guys that that you're lower on. And and it's a lot of guys at the at the top end, uh, starting with Bumgarner and Granky, who you kind of put together as as one. So um, talk about those two, Bumgarner and Granky, that you're a little bit lower on. I have Bumgarner 6, Granky 10. Go ahead. Well, Bum, Bumgarner lost more velocity from the first half to the second half of the season last year uh, than any other starter, I think, or maybe one or on two other I know. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious why, but I don't think he quite got it back is the only thing that worries me about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he pitches in a great park and, you know, personally, I'm amazed by him, like just sort of being near him. He's one of these guys that I think is a future Hall of Famer and is going to be better than his velocity readings. Like, but I don't trust that. Like, I don't draft on that. You know what I mean? Like, no, I, I understand. I've always been, like I, I personally feel that way and I have a bias towards him because I've seen him do such incredible things in the playoffs live. I've talked to him and I know he's a red ass. I know everyone sees it. And, on the field too. So I know he's going to compete the heck out of it. 
and be the very best he can be. And he's always out there, you know, trying to figure out how to be that good. But velocity is important. It's just, it's important. And he didn't quite get it back. So, you know, that makes me nervous. And as much as Granky is like the same way, a little bit more cerebral <laughs> than Bumgarner. Uh, <laughs> well, to say the least. Yeah, they're not. I would love to. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for like a drinking session between the two of them. Between those two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, the one thing about Granky, you know, uh, he had that big bounce back season. He was great. We still haven't seen the homers really come back down, though. He was still at 1.1, but everything else got back on track. Uh, strikeouts were back up. He wasn't allowing as many hits. So he ended up having a really good season. He's always been someone I've been cautious on, too. I- I've never really wound up with him, I- except last year when the price really sank. I ended up getting a couple shares. I ranked him 10 because I, I I believe that he can be a top 10 guy. But even though, and like, do you have guys that you rank in a certain spot and you, you believe it, but then you just don't really draft them in that spot? Because I, I like, or you just, you bypass them. You're not, you're not. Uh, it just doesn't show up at the right time. Like he gets taken too early for you to, to do that. Like three number twos philosophy, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I could see that, and I think that it's just an awkward spot for him uh, in the rankings and yeah. and in his career, honestly, because it's just like we've had that one bad year, so we know what it looks like. And then he had the better year, and he had it at 91 instead of 92, 93. And he's going to be 34, you know? And it's Another bad. Two, that's a bad season. age for pitchers. I mean, if the humidor comes in, you know, we have our story for, you know, how he got – how he had a great year again. I'm so tired of that thing, though, I because know, nobody knows what the hell is going or on. Get off the pot and For tell real. us. Say yeah. something definitive instead of, well, like, we're working on it. Can like I don't understand the hangup. That's the weird thing too. It's just like, why do they not know what the hell is going on with it? That that's right. the weird part for me. So the two professionals, like, isn't this? It's almost like a, in a fantasy league, we don't make changes to the rules in season. Exactly. Like <laughs> you should have. You should. You had all off season. Why? figure it out like, have it uh, ready because if you're yeah. bringing it in, in may that'd be kind of busted like just yeah, have it ready so, uh, so yeah so the two veterans i totally get that on both of them i'm not sure it was hard for me to put them on the list like obviously you're hearing me sort of hem and haw about it and i like them as pitchers and i think they're gonna be good i just it's like velocity is something you have to think about i think for sure maybe even yeah, yeah. underrated people will say oh you can be good without it i think you know there was that big piece from rob arthur who found that you know, there is there are hot streaks in pitching and it's mostly due to sort of micro changes in velocity. And mm-hmm. then if you use fastball velocity and if you use like last game's fastball velocity, you can pre- predict what they're going to do in their next game better than average. Didn't he also highlight how taking your time uh, it helps the velocity as well? Yeah. And so that was his going to do the pitch clocks. You may find. Uh, some of these guys getting hurt more often and uh, and pitching worse because they there were there are most pitchers are a little bit over 20 seconds. Yes. That seems... But I also think the hitters getting their butts in the in the box will help things too. Uh, yeah. Archer's our next one. And that's interesting because I gave Archer a late drop down, like almost as I was posting these. I was like, ah, I don't quite feel comfortable with where I had him, which was, I think. 14th or something so i bumped him down to 17 which doesn't seem like a lot uh and I, I talk about how in the middle of the rankings it's not but when you're up at the top every spot can be you know eight to 12 spots in, in a draft you know so i bumped him from 14 to 17 i could have even gone lower but i still love 
the three straight 200 innings uh, and, and 230 strikeout. strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, back back those strikeouts years. are huge. If you have an innings cap in your league, it's a de facto K-9 league in a way. You have to get Correct. as many strikeouts as you can out of those innings. And, yeah, again, good player. I just, the projections say he's going to be an ace. You know, it's really interesting. The projections say, the projections are more happy for Archer than the fans. Oh, absolutely. And and and, and fantasy players at this point. You you're 100% right. They the projections all have them back in the mid threes and everyone else is like, "Well, let me see it then because we're still not seeing it." And I don't know that it is just bad luck. When you watch Archer, I love Archer. But he he's an example that I point to among others, including Granky, uh and Bauer, I guess that might be too cerebral at times. They're almost in their head too much and they're tweaking and, and you know, bad things behind them or a missed call by the umpire can sink them, can like get in their heads because they think about it too much almost. And I see that when, when Archer loses his command, then he'll just pump up 95 straight as an arrow down, down the uh, plate and say, hit it. And they're like, okay, 450 into the freaking uh, Ray tank out there. And, you know, he needs to get away from that because 1.3 and 1.2 homer per nine the last two years are exactly why he has 402 and 407 ERAs respectively uh, for Chris Archer. So I still believe in the talent, but it, it is tough to take him as a, a bona fide top 20 when you're looking at, at at the ERAs he's been putting up. Even though four is not the end of the world in this environment, it's hard when he's your fantasy ace if you didn't get in on the top tier. Here's an interesting thing. Uh Here's the isolated slugging percentage on his four seam last year by inning. So 362 in the first inning. That's bad. I think he's probably trying to establish his fastball and and people are jumping on it. Then you got 128 in the second inning, 0.044 in the third, and 163 in the fourth inning. In those innings, he's got his slider going. He's got his four seam going. He's got them back and forth. Um, and those are pretty decent, actually, for four-seamers in today's day and age. Fifth inning, 250. Sixth inning, 342. Seventh inning, 368. Now, maybe he's fatigued and he's lost the velocity. My theory, yeah. That's probably a smallish sample because how many times sure. do you get in the seventh? seventh inning, but still, yeah. the fifth and the sixth, those are bad. And my theory, which is in, is supported by the data, is that the third pitch is a problem. You know, he doesn't or, or really like to throw. Up. Yeah, he doesn't really like to throw that changeup. And so, so every pitch that heat. you can throw over 10% of the time, um, that's that qualifies as having another pitch. And Mitchell Lichtman showed that every pitch that you can have over 10% lowers uh, your runs your your third time through the order penalty. Which is why Trevor Bauer wants to have 10 pitches that he uses 10% of the time each <laughs> and becomes the next Pedro Martinez. <laughs> no, but uh, eight, per, you know, one time has he used a changeup, Chris Archer, one time over 10% in the season. And it was 16 when he used uh, 2016 when he had an 11% last year, back down to 8%. He's on that slider now 40 plus percent of the time each of the last two years, along with a uh, upper 40s, 49 and 48 respectively, with the fastball. So he's fastball slider, and like you said, once you get deeper into the game, that's just not, you're not going to be fooling guys as much anymore, especially if you start to face opposite handers. Lefties are going to jump on him at that point, even more so than righties. So uh, we need to see a development there. 
um, if he's going to get to that ace ace dumb that that his his stuff when he's on portends, but that we're not seeing consistently enough and has led to a 402 and 407 ERA the last two years for Chris Archer. So where would you put I'm, him? Yeah, I don't think I'm pushing him too far either because you still got all those strikeouts. Um, and in fact, you know, being right next to Robbie Ray, that might be a good place. I think it might, might be just fine. that I might push some guys who are below above him. Um, you know, as much as I think Dallas Keuchel's strikeouts limit his upside, um, you know, Keuchel and Paxton and Price um, are names where I'm like, you know, would I rather have them or Archer? I don't know. I tried so. to temper myself on Paxton. I love him. He was another one. I I, I jumped down a little bit late. Um, I had him inside the top 20. I think I had him right at 18 where Ray is. And then I went back, I kind of was reviewing and I saw his innings totals and I was like, damn. But at the same time, especially the name I invoked there, Ray, it's not like Ray has a bunch of high innings totals himself. So maybe, maybe those two should be right by each other as uh, big, big, uh, big lefties with. Uh, big yeah, I mean, potential. I think Robbie, Robbie Ray and Chris Archer are very similar. I mean, they one throws left and one throws right, but they're very similar, I think. That, yeah, th- they those two were paired by design, and then maybe Paxton's right there with them, um, similar to Ray, but because he's lower innings, but also elite strikeout and and big. Price ups. never really had um, uh, issues, health issues before last year. Correct, and he's so, actually the, one of the bigger workhorses in the game. Right, so I think you give him a year off, give him a lot of rest and recuperation, and we see. You know, we seem better than his projections. I don't know why he's projected into a three eight ERA and a one two two homer per nine. He's never had a one two two homer per nine. Especially when but he was he pressing back towards. He's never had that. And he it's had a three thirty eight ERA last year. He did have the three ninety nine and sixteen, but a two forty five the year before. I'm like, where's that ERA coming from? Yeah. I mean, it's coming from the homers. But back to your point, I believe why, it would be more like the, the fans here. Three three four ERA, great whip. Me too. That's that's where I'm at, and I, I think that Dave. Innings are a far. fair question because he didn't even have Tommy John. He he uh, did he have surgery at all? Like he, no, he bypassed surgery altogether. Yeah. Ended up relieving to close out the season and the playoffs. Did look good while he was doing it, but I understand that there's still that concern for folks. But find me a guy who doesn't have like a legitimate injury right. concern. You know, and, and then and, that's why I would take him and Paxton. I think you know I go Price Paxton, and just shove them right above Archer Ray. Okay. And that's about it. I'm not moving them down much. It may be I'm one completely or two fine spots. with that. Uh, just, last like, one. That's the, those are some names I noticed. Samar just seems a little high, too, because I'm not sure he can figure it out. <laughs> I, that's, you know. not, that's not out of bounds to say, because, yeah, I am putting some projection there that he stops allowing so many damn homers. How are you at 1-1 one, one, and 1-3 one, in San Francisco? Uh, me I know some of it's never found his splitter again. Oh, I know. And, and well, not quite to the level of uh, what's his head, Cobb, but he hasn't been throwing the splitter nearly as much the past two years uh, in, in San Francisco. And so we will need to see some development there from Samarja. But your last name on the list was Irvin Santana, who I do have down at 60. Nick Pollock will be thrilled to hear that you want him lower. He's, he and I have had some, uh, some fun debates on Irvin Santana. So what do you think about uh, Santana here as we close up? I just don't know what the magic is. I don't know how he's done it. Um, Fastball slider guy. He has trusted his change up a little bit more, but the projections are so horrifying for him. 4-8 ERA. So, you know, I just... Got to watch him pitch. 
when you watch him pitch, I think you see the the contact management, as we're calling it these days. And I don't know. I think he's got pretty decent stuff that that keeps hitters off balance and generates a lot of weak contact. I'm very interested to see what he does. I'm very interested to see. Me what he too. Does. Me too. But we got to get going because Justin Mason is going to a Katy Perry concert by himself. Woo-hoo! He alleged that he's taking his daughter, but I don't believe him at all. I think he's going <laughs> by himself. And so we do have to get going. Eno, honestly, man, um, you're one of my best friends. Uh, I love you, and I appreciate everything that you've done for me in my career, but also as a friend, and I absolutely wish you the best going forward, man. You've been a great podcast co-host and a great friend. We'll stay in touch, man, and I'll come on the podcast, and I'll try to find a way to come to the AFL, make pay for me to just scout some people or something. Sounds good. I will talk to you later. Eno? Thanks for listening. Hey. No, don't sing. <laughs> I'm the worst singer ever. Eno's eating sandwiches and he's drinking beer. But now he's got to leave us. Let's give him three cheers. Big Paulie on the mic, spitting shitty flow. Will anyone still listen without Eno on the show? Love you, Eno. Peace.